In this episode, I interviewed Jim Roddy, who wrote an awesome book called The Walk-On Method. He details how he went from being a walk-on in college to a successful businessman and every lesson he learned in between. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Sales Edge Podcast, where we bring you the very best in the world on teaching you how to hunt deals, keep deals, grow deals, expand your personal development, and take your life and career to the next level. I am totally excited today to have our guest interviewee, Jim Roddy. And, you know, I met Jim when I was working with one of my clients and was delivering great content. And my client came to me and said, have you read the book, The Walk-On Method? I'm like, no, I'd never heard of it. And he said, you got to go get this book. So I did. And in the middle of that, my client introduced me to our guest today, Jim Roddy, and I've had a chance to get to know this guy. And he has written an amazing book that I think from a, a seller manager leader standpoint is something that everybody should have in their library. The name of his book is The Walk-On Method. Today, we're going to interview Jim. And I want to understand you know, what he learned in being a walk-on. And if you've been involved in college sports at all, you know what a walk-on is. And we're going to learn from him some of the key insights from his book. So Jim, excited to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Gene. Great to be here. Looking forward to talking with you. Hey, Jim, let's get right into it. And I remember talking to you for the first time and you told me your backstory and I was immediately hooked. I was like, I have got to learn from this guy, but give us a rundown of where the walk-on method came from. Sure. Well, the whole premise of the book, The Walk-On Method to Career and Business Success, is uh, the experiences that walk-ons had in their college career where they're running into all sorts of obstacles, trying to do something great. Would that pay off for them down the road as professionals? And so the book actually started as an attempt to clarify a misunderstanding. So uh, back in uh, 2012, um, uh, an executive friend of mine learned that I was a cancer survivor because I wrote a book uh, on hiring best practices called Hire Like You Just Beat Cancer. So I've been cancer-free 18 years, but that Congrats. experience really shaped, you know, my, my thank you very much, uh, my, my hiring process. And so I wrote that book. And so folks learned that I had cancer. And so he said, oh, now that I know you had cancer, I understand why you're so driven and do everything with a purpose, but I actually didn't wake up every day thinking about myself as a cancer survivor. So I started thinking, well, what drives me? And so kind of go back, you know, in your, in your time machine and say, well, where did I develop this attitude? And I realized that I attack cancer and I also attack my professional career the same way that I approached my role when I was a basketball walk-on in the late 80s and early 90s at Gannon University in Erie, Pennsylvania. So a school probably none of your listeners have heard of, but small college basketball powerhouse. And so then I also look back on my professional career. When I was 23, launched my own sports magazine. In my 30s, worked my way up to be a company president for a multi-million dollar company. And then I carved out a niche as a business coach and a speaker. So that's my path. But back to my epiphany, I realized the behavior pattern that I established through four years of commitment and hard work and perseverance and resiliency, it wasn't just my blueprint for success. It is the blueprint for professional 
success. And so I, I really believe that. So I started writing down the formula of, okay, what did I learn from that walk-on experience? What did I go through? I ended up shaping it into five steps. And immediately I was like, Gene, I want to share this with everybody. But then I realized like, who wants to hear my personal stories about work and being a bench warmer, right? Like no one's going to say, <laughs> Jim, please do go on about that game versus Queens College. Tell me more. And so I didn't think my story alone would motivate anybody to change. So I decided to test my hypothesis. And I said, what if I interview a dozen or 20 or 30 fellow former walk-ons about their college experience and their professional path? And am I going to learn that the walk-on method produced uncommon results for them too? And so I can tell you, after more than five years of internet searches and hundreds of emails and phone calls and interviews, the answer to my question wasn't just yes, it was a screaming at the top of its lungs Yes. And so each walk-on's individual path was unique. So some played football, basketball, or rowing or track, but they achieved success as a business owner, as a coach, a financial advisor, uh, as a salesperson, as an insurance broker. So the mindset, the skills and behaviors that they developed and the outcomes they achieved after college were all similarly remarkable because of that experience. So the gist of the book is that ordinary people and even underdogs, and maybe especially underdogs, they'll accomplish extraordinary feats when their energy is properly channeled. So the way that these walk-ons behave now is second nature because they were forced to behave that way to survive as a walk-on. So the book profiles 31 underdogs who became extraordinary and one story at a time. And with the walk-on method formula, they show how you can become extraordinary as well. Hey, Jim, how many of those people you interviewed have gone on to be, let's just use quote unquote, the word successful? Well, all of them. That's the, the whole thing. Like every time I reached out to uh, a walk on, I didn't know what I was going to get on the other end of the phone because all I did was some internet searches to find if there was some media on somebody who was a walk on. So I was just calling up. I'd find them on LinkedIn if I could. And, you know, who knew what I was going to run into, but all of them achieved extraordinary success. I mean, I didn't, you know, I was, you know, I wish my field goal percentage when I play basketball uh, was as high as what I, I achieved. It was near 100% of the folks that I uh, that I reached out to had a really incredible story to tell about their experience and also had extraordinary success. And again, in, in a variety of different paths. And I'm guessing every one of them, and I read it in the book, it was that experience that shaped their resilience, that shaped their ideas around outworking everybody. Did you find those common themes? Uh, very much. A lot of them were behaving in a second nature fashion. And they were wondering, why don't other people feel this way? Why don't other people think this way? And it's because they didn't have the opportunity that these walk-ons did of taking a big shot, right? Like actually throwing themselves out there. A lot of people say, boy, I'd like to do that. I could do that. But they don't actually make the attempt to do it. Then if they say they want to do something, they don't attack it with passion. They don't do the preparation. They don't do the practice. So that's what these walk-ons did, you know, getting in extra workouts, showing up early, staying late. And then when they ran into an obstacle, that was, I think, one of the biggest lessons you can take away from this book. You can see his obstacle is a reason for you to lie down, to quit, to make excuses. But once they saw that obstacle, and many of them ran into obstacle after obstacle, they said, this is going to make me stronger once I get through. And that's really what the walk-on experience did. Um, one was told, this will be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. And he was like, really? Like, I think, you know, I've known other people who did harder things. But he said, once he got through it, he realized what the learning was. And you just, again, you figure out what that path is and that formula. And, you know, the cliche, what uh, doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That was definitely the case for these walk-ons. 
Jim, I'm going through the 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 PDF that you sent me that's available to the listeners, the 43 walk-on workplace do's and don'ts. And it's so good. And at first I read it, I'm like, 43 things, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm going through it and I, I found myself with my highlighter, like, oh, that's good. And that's good. And that's good. Can we dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. Because the whole thing is this book talks about a lot of their interesting uh, college stories and a lot of good and funny and interesting anecdotes, but it's got to tie into professional success. And that's why I did the list of do's and don'ts. So readers can say, what can I apply to my workplace today? What can I apply to my career today? So yeah, curious to see uh, what's, what jumped out to you, Gene. I also have to add this, Jim, that your book reminds me of a, a New York Times bestselling book that came out this year called The Underdog Advantage. It was written by a guy named Dean Graziosi, and he talks about like the underdog, like chip on your shoulder. You know you've got to outwork people. You know you got to out-hustle, and I'm reading your book, and I'm like, such similar paths and I know for sure that I've been an underdog in many cases in my life, or I was the new person joining the team and had to prove my worth per se. And I'm guessing there's a lot of people listening right now that are looking for these insights that you, the listener, are the underdog. And if you're that person, or you're just somebody that's doing well, but you want to do even more, pay close attention and take notes. Here's one of the first things that stood out. And this is not new per se but you really did a great job in the book of talking about seeking to improve the greater good, make sacrifices of time, resources, recognition to help the team achieve its goal, serving others. Talk about that. Yeah, so the walk-ons are looking out for the team first. They cannot say, where's my playing time? Where's my fancy uh, workout clothes? Uh, why isn't the coach talking about me? Why aren't, I, why aren't I getting coached up more? They realize I have to make the guy who I'm practicing against every day better so we can succeed in the games. I have to be the one who runs hard in sprints. And that way, the coaches will know the people who have more athletic ability, if they're dogging it, like I'm going to be the one who really sets the pace. So you really build up this mindset of, you know, going into a game, you are not going to play. And so if you're only focusing on your playing time or your points or anything like that, you're going to be incredibly disappointed. Uh, so Nick, Nick Berardini, he was a walk-on at the University of Missouri. He's now a uh, documentary filmmaker. He said, if you are, you know, only trying to be a walk-on, on at Missouri for that coming out for warmups against Kansas, which is just awesome with the entire crowd and you're leading them out and everybody's cheering and, and thrilled and all that stuff. He said, the, the work you're going to put into it isn't enough for that. You really have to have that team first attitude and understanding I'm pushing other people to make them better. And so don't be worried about yourself. Don't be worried about the person in the mirror. Take celebration for someone else having a success because you pushed them um, harder to achieve that. So that's a role that you can play instead of just thinking about yourself. There's also some points you talk about is even though you think you may not play, the chance exists you're going to go in. And there's lots of documented evidence where somebody got hurt or something happened and then the walk-on's on the court. I mean, how do you mentally prepare for that? I, I'm probably not going to play, but there's a chance I will. I need to be physically, mentally, and emotionally ready. Well, I, you know, my uh, coach, Bob Duquette, uh, he coached at St. Peter's, then Marquette, and then uh, at Gannon for, uh, with me for three years. Uh, I played for him, and he would always 
to preach sooner or later. Sooner or later, your opportunity is going to come. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be two years from now. But that's how you have to operate, that today could be the day. And like the way that I approached practice is that was my Super Bowl. That was my game day. Now, did, I, I certainly paid attention, you know, if I would ever have to be using a game. Now, in my personal situation, a whole lot of people would have to foul out, get sick, get injured in order for me to, to get in. I was that far, far down the bench. But these walk-ons were looking for an opportunity for how can I help the team. So Charlie Grimes ran track at, uh, uh, at Western Michigan. And so he wasn't the greatest track athlete by any means. But he said, what events are we weakest in? Where do we not have enough people? I mean, he was a you know, short, skinny guy like me, but he's like, we need someone to throw the javelin. I'll go do it. And we need somebody to do the high hurdles. I guess I'll go do that too. And he ended up uh, earning points at these conference meets that other people weren't running in events because they were only running in two or three. So he was looking for, and this is one of the steps of the walk-on method is maintain emotional control, right? So we call it, we call it uh, no fuss, all muss. So don't fuss over yourself, your lack of playing time, the obstacles you're running into, and must stands for maximize your unique strengths. You don't wow. have to be like the oh, other Wait, wait, person. wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Say that again. Must. Yeah, must. Uh, so no fuss, F-U-S-S, all must, capital M, capital U, capital S. Must stands for, uh, mac, uh, I'm sorry, it's maximize unique strengths. And so that's what these walk-ons did. They either, I'm really good in the classroom, so I'm going to raise the, raise the team GPA. I'm uh, fast, so I'm going to uh, pace everybody in the sprints. Um, I am you know, have energy that is unending, and so I'm going to be going uh, 100% in practice all the time. I have the vantage point on the bench that I could see things that are going on that maybe other players don't because they're paying attention to other things. I can offer advice. So that's one thing, and again, it translates into the work world. What are your unique strengths? Uh, you don't have to be like the person next to you or another person or somebody else. You have to maintain emotional control because you're going to run into a lot of obstacles and then figure out how can I be productive uh, with my individual strengths. And that's what a lot of these walk-ons went to. I'm not the biggest, I'm not the tallest, I'm not the fastest, I'm not the strongest, but what can I do to help this team win more games? Hey, Jim, I, I want to walk something back and I want to make sure the listeners get this. And if you're a listener right now and you've been my client or I've done sessions for you or I've done keynotes, you've heard me say this over and over again, and I'll continue to say it. The next call you make could change your life. So make the call. And you just echoed that, Jim. It's like that coach said to you, you never know when the day is going to be. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be two years. But you've got to be ready for that. And what I... Real no. quick, what I find yeah. with yeah. with sellers is there, there's some people that that and I know this because I was one of them in my early stages where I pontificate making the call and I I try to write everything out perfectly and and then I wait a little bit because I'm going to make that one call and then something else comes up I end up not making the call I push it to the next day and the next day and the next day but I can tell you and I'm guessing you'll edify this that I just got into the habit of making the call. And, you know, I'd done it enough that the talk tracks were, were pretty good. They weren't perfect. I didn't worry about perfection because taking the action was more important than waiting forever to take the perfect action. You agree with that? I agree 100%. And that's step number one of the walk-on method is to take a big shot, 
right? There's a lot of people who say, I wish I could do that. I'd like to do that, but they do not actually uh, follow through on it. So the story and what you remind me of about being ready for it. So Bernie Floriani, uh, he actually had a partial golf scholarship to University of Virginia. His golf game was going sideways, but he loved playing basketball. He was on the junior varsity team. Like he didn't even know they had junior varsity teams at University of Virginia, was playing there and the coaches saw him and said, we need somebody as a practice player. And so he ended up walking on to the men's basketball team there, got almost like no playing time whatsoever they're having senior night and they told him earlier like this is a really important game for us you know usually seniors get to start on senior night you're not going to well in the locker room right before the game they start drawing up who's guarding who and who do they say bernie you're guarding this guy and he's like oh my gosh my chance is here and so he's completely nervous as you can uh, imagine but because he had put in the work the first time he caught the ball on the wing naturally he had his swing foot brought it forward nailed a jump shot and, you know, he came out of the game soon after that. And he said he just walked to the end of the bench and just started breaking down crying. And his coach came over and said, like, what's wrong? And he just said, that was the most awesome thing in the world. Like what I did, you know, that the thing that I accomplished, he just said, what a culmination it was. But if he didn't go and try out for that JV team, if he didn't bust his tail, he never would have that opportunity. So by all means, take a big shot, make that call. Yes. And the window of opportunity I find, Jim, opens and closes. It doesn't stay open forever. It opens and it closes. Yeah. And the people that make the call, have the meeting, do the practice, get all the preparation. So when that, that window of opportunity opens, they are prepared to take the action. They don't freeze because of uncertainty. They don't shy away because they think it's too big. They have prepared for the moment and the window opens and they execute. Agree? A hundred percent. Exactly right. You got to put in all the work. John Riley, who's now the head basketball coach at uh, Christian Brothers University, he was an assistant at Cannon, and he would always say, we have to work this hard. We have to work so hard just to have a chance at succeeding. It doesn't even guarantee success, but you do all this hard work. It puts you in a position to succeed. If you don't do the work, you don't have a chance to succeed. You can't be relying on luck. And again, these walk-ons knew they couldn't lean on their athletic ability or on their connections or anything like that. They had to put in the work and maybe you have to do twice the amount of work as one of your coworkers. Um, but maybe that's what you need to do. So just go ahead and do it. Don't whine about it. Get over yourself and go out and do the work. Jim, I coach my 10 year old's little flag football team. And I was talking to my boy the other day and I said, you got to remember this Brady hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Have you experienced that one? I'll say it again. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yes. Now here's, I'll say it in two ways. So, um, you know, for these walk-ons, they worked harder oftentimes than almost anybody else on the team. But if somebody's, you know, eight inches taller than you and outweighs you by 75 pounds, in a game of one-on-one, -on -one, it doesn't matter how hard they're going to work, right? The guy's just going to back them down and do that. But that's in athletics. But transfer that to your professional world, Salespeople, it doesn't matter if the other salesperson is 6'8 and you're 5'7, right? It doesn't matter how fast they can run. So to your point, the uh, the playing field is far more level 
in the professional world than it is in the athletic world. And that's where I think these walk-ons learned how to keep up with the people who are bigger, faster, stronger. Then they just applied that where they were just as smart or even just slightly, you know, not as smart as somebody else and their resourcefulness and their work ethic. Uh, JT Stevens is a financial advisor out in the San Francisco area. And people say, how can you not get burned out? And he said, this is what I've been doing since I was 18 years old. Like, this is just my mode that I get up early, I stay late, I run fast and I keep running and keep running. So while other people are saying, this is too much, I'm tagging out, I'm just getting warmed up. So yeah, there's no doubt you got to condition yourself to do it. And that will beat people, especially in the professional world, especially in the sales world. Jim, I want to hit some more spots or some more important points in your 43 walk-on workplace do's and don'ts. You talk a lot about volunteering for additional work, like questions like, how can I help? And helping out other teammates and I, you and I were talking before this, and I was talking about something my dad always taught me. And he would say, if you always do more than you're paid for, you'll always have a job. And that is the key to promotions and, and growing. What's your take on that? I agree 100%. I, I, I love uh, that, that quote from your dad. And so, like, for example, um, I, we only had one team manager. And there was all sorts of equipment to carry for our road games. So I just thought I might as well help him out. Might as well help the coaches out and I'll just go and grab a whole bunch of extra bags. Again, I didn't play, so I shouldn't have been tired uh, on, on game day. And so <laughs> I'd always make sure that I go and do that and see how can I help uh, help out and do that. You transfer that to the professional world. Oftentimes, too many folks stay within their job description or they say, what's the time I'm supposed to be working? And then they focus on, well, how can I do you know, a little less time than that? So if you step up and volunteer, like there's almost no downside to doing that. I don't know too many people who have uh, volunteered for too much. And so the other thing is it'll <laughs> expand your horizons in terms of um, maybe something that you didn't know that you were good at. And so if you jump into something and you had no experience with it whatsoever, you're just volunteering to help out, maybe you'll find out you're really good at it. Maybe someone else uh, in your organization can find out you're really good at that. And so people are always looking for help, even if they're not asking for it. So have your, you know, almost like looking through the periscope, just don't focus on what's in front of you. Look at that periscope, see how you can help out other people. Is it gonna require you to put an extra time and extra energy and extra effort? Sure, but that's how you get ahead in the professional role. Don't try to skate by on your good looks and charm. Um, hard work works. And, uh, and these walk-ons are, are a testament to that, not just in their college experience, uh, but it certainly paid dividends for them that approach did in their professional work. I remember in my early days at Gateway and I had um, figured some things out because I was modeling other salespeople. I'd go listen to them. We were in a big call center. So, you know, we had hundreds of salespeople in cubicles. And I decided, like, let me just go listen to some of these people and observe what they're saying and what they were doing. And at the time, I was lower echelon of the pack. There was probably 90 salespeople on the phones. And I was in the bottom quartile, which is no place anybody with a competitive mind wants to be. And I started listening to these top performers and realize what they were saying and what they were doing. And I started taking little notes on sticky notes. I put them all over my cubicle. So I could remember when a client said, your price is too high, or I need to shop with a competitor or send me a quote. And pretty soon I had put that together enough and went through it. You know, you're doing a hundred calls a day. You get, you say the same thing over and over again. You start to get better, right? Repetition. 
and then pretty soon I, I moved from the lower echelon to the top. And in my last month selling on the phones, I was number one on the floor and closing percent. And the leader of the division came and said, can you go teach people how you did that? I'm like, I don't know how I did it. And he goes, well, there's probably some steps that you take and things you always say. So it kind of forced me to put down the steps and kind of the order of the steps. And I, he didn't pay me anything for it, but he said, can you get in front and teach them? And I'm like, I'm not a speaker. I'm not a trainer. He goes, trust me, you're going to be just fine. We talk about that was the window of opportunity that opened and I stood up and did it. I was nervous as all get out, you know, cotton mouth and sweat going down my back and just nervous as can be. But then I started talking. I got over the nervousness. And then there was this feeling I got when people were go, writing things down and nodding their head and like, oh, my God, that's so good. And, and um, then them coming up to me afterwards. And I was hooked. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to get complicated information. Uh, make it as simple as possible so anybody can, can get it. And if they follow the, the process, the steps, the methodologies, they can create the success that they want to create. And had somebody not kind of forced me into it and given me the opportunity, had I not remembered my dad saying, if you always do more than what you're paid for, then, you know, that who would have known that moment would have shifted the, the course of the next 30 years of my life. Next one, I love this piece in the book. You talk about productive paranoia. Can you peel that onion back? Sure. So that is a Jim Collins term, the famous business author, and he talks about productive yes. paranoia. So paranoia on its own is problematic. You know, they're all out to get me. The building's going to collapse. My car's brakes are going <laughs> to give out. Like that's no way to, to function. But productive paranoia is living in a, a constant state of being uncomfortable and saying, well, what could go wrong? What could happen that I need to prepare for and go the extra mile? So if something does go wrong, I'm, I'm gonna be okay. And so walk-ons live in a fairly constant state of productive paranoia. I could get cut at any time, right? The coach can make an example out of me. If I'm going to screw up or if I'm loafing, they'll throw me out and and they can do that. Uh, Alan Williams uh, walked on at Wake Forest, you know, uh, co-president of a company and also a, uh, a speaker. He said, I always knew I was only one phone call away from the coach saying, you're no longer on the team. He knows that because he got that phone call twice, but he kept coming back and saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it here. And so what he did, and it's just an example of what we could do from a work standpoint is he always said, I've got to do something extra, even when he was on the team and I'm going to do extra running and extra weights. And I'm going to be a better teammate than anybody else and be really supportive to them. I'm going to do well in school and help the team GPA. And so the productive paranoia is don't get comfortable. Don't say, I'm sure I'm going to be fine. Always think about, boy, if things do go wrong, where I, I, am I doing the work now in order to get prepared? Just, just don't think, I'm going to make my quarterly goal because I'm having a good first month of the quarter. Work extra hard, get way ahead of the pace. So in case something bad goes happen, uh, something bad happens, you're going to be prepared. You're still going to be over the finish line. One thing about being in sales, regardless of what level you are, if you're new, if you're a veteran seller, manager, director, leader, is either every month or like bigger companies, every quarter, you start over at zero. That's right. right. So it's not, what, what did you do? Yes, we get to celebrate for a little bit if we did really well, but then it's, what have you done for me lately? And that productive paranoia is something that 
when you said it, I'm like, gosh, I can so relate to that because that's been being somebody that's been in sales his whole life since I was 16. I totally that resonated with me and I've never heard it that way. Here's one more I want to cover. And this is in your book on the, uh, the, the, the walk on method, which is the energy elevator. Just tell us about that. Cause that's another one. I'm like, God, that's so true. And the, every time I've talked to you, Jim, you've been an energy elevator for me. So tell the audience. Well, thank you. So uh, energy elevators, they are folks who lift the spirits of everyone that they encounter. So when someone says, how are you? An energy elevator says, I'm awesome. I'm fantastic. I'm wonderful. I'm tremendous, right? You have a choice of what words do you use when somebody says, how are you doing? Now, on the other hand, you have soul suckers. And so that's a, a term that I learned from, uh, I work in a small office park and uh, there's a, a psychotherapist down the hallway. Her name's Catherine Hoffman. And she talked about people who are soul suckers. And they're the ones when you say, how are you doing? They say, I'm okay. Or I've been better or same stuff, different day, you know, things like that. <laughs> or oh, don't get me started. And so you have a choice. Everybody you encounter, are you going to lift them up and be an energy elevator? Or are you going to be a soul sucker and bring them down or start the conversation that way? And so I'm not sure what, what book it is, but it's, you know, um, you know, high initiative people, they bring their own weather with them. That's what energy elevators do. And that's what the walk-ons are. Like, you know, a lot of the walk-ons we talked with said, if I'm getting the least playing time on the team and I am getting, you know, the, the leftover everything, right? The uniform that doesn't fit, the shoes that don't fit, the helmet that doesn't fit. And I'm still showing up every single day and I'm still working hard and I'm not complaining. That's going to make somebody else on my team say, well, who am I to complain about the situation that I'm in? Because I at least have the fundamentals, right? Like they're giving me a pair of shorts as opposed to this guy who has to, you know, bring his own equipment uh, to what he's doing. So I, I think we don't, oftentimes we don't realize the vibes that we're giving off and how we're inspiring or demotivating people with what we do. And so that's why the, I think the ele energy elevator concept is really, really important because it really starts that relationship. It, are, are you somebody that someone, uh, when they see you walking down the hallway, they say, I want to go say hi to that person. Or are they like, I want to get out of the way because they're going to be whining and complaining and griping, right? Like nobody wants to hear that stuff. And that's really what the walk-ons had to do. They were going through very difficult situations, but they weren't complaining about it. Now, did they talk to their parents sometimes and say, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And their parents would encourage them. Yes. But to their coaches and to their teammates, they were energy elevators. And that's a key role that you can play inside of an organization beyond uh, your core duties. Hey, Jim, how does somebody find you? What's the best way to get in contact with you if they want to get a free chapter or even be able to get a, get their hands on the 43 walk on workplace do's and don'ts. I, I love this, the do's and don'ts. I read the whole book, which was awesome. And I have these do's and don'ts. They're highlighted. They're sitting on my desk. I, I flip through them now and then. How does somebody get to you? Yeah, so if somebody wants uh, that free copy of the 43 Walk-On Workplace Do's and Don'ts, um, they can uh, email me, and a good email address is jim at jimrodycba.com, stands for Coach and Business Advisor, so J-I-M-R-O-D-D-Y-C-B-A.com, so jim at jimrodycba.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, you can reach out to me there, and then there's also the Walk-On Method Facebook page as well. Just go to Facebook slash the Walk-On 
method, uh, reach out to me. Let me know that uh, you heard um, you know heard me talk with Gene here on the Sales Edge podcast, and uh, be happy to uh, to make that happen. So yeah, you can get your own uh, free chapter of the book, and uh, be happy to connect with you if you like. Excellent. And you know everybody that's listening to this, you know by now if you're following this podcast or you've read my books, you know that. You know, I would say that the number one skill set, the number one thing to focus on is personal development. And I would say this from experience, um, go, whether you went to college or didn't go to college in, in the 80s and 90s, it was like, you got to go get your degree. And I would say the degree allowed me to, to get some jobs. It allowed me to get the job at Gateway Computers and, and start in sales. But what turned everything was the self-investment I made, the personal development reading the books, listening to the tapes. And this is all pre-internet. We, we didn't have downloadable chapters per se. We had to go to the bookstore to buy the books. We had to order the tapes from the company. So Jim's got a, a some downloads for you. Go get the information and don't just go get it, read it. Hey, Jim, last question. Sure, hit me. And it's this. If you had to think of your favorite saying, like something that kept you driven over the years that that kept you going in the direction you wanted to go, even when you were you hit a speed bump or it rained on your parade. What's one of your favorite sayings? Uh, sure, put me on the spot. Uh, I would say uh, expect the unexpected, not the self-inflicted. So things are going to happen beyond your control, weather, economy, pandemic, things like that. And so what can you do? about those things. But so, you know, expect the unexpected, but not the self-inflicted. And so if you're not going to put in the work, if you're not going to study, if you're not going to get up early, if you're not going to exercise, if you're not going to work on your skills, if you're not going to read books, that's self-inflicted. And so to me, there's no excuse uh, for that. So that would be what's uh, what's been guiding me and what's been driving me for a long time. And so, um, you know, expect the unexpected, not the self-inflicted. Love that. Jim Roddy, this has been an amazing, I'm pumped up. This has been an amazing interview. And listeners, a couple things you can do right now. First of all, if you're inspired, go to Amazon and buy the book, The Walk-On Method. It changed my life. And it was super, like, the fact that I get a chance to actually talk to Jim has been pretty awesome. And hopefully you've been able to get a bird's eye view as a listener. At minimum, go to the Facebook page, Facebook dot com obviously the walk on method start following Jim's you know he puts articles out and he writes his opinions on things and for just for pure inspiration send Jim an email right now and get the 43 walk on workplace do's and don'ts and as always listeners if you got value out of this you know I don't charge anything for these awesome interviews and the content that we give away but the moral obligation is if you got value grab this podcast share it with five people share it with somebody that might be struggling or they're doing well and maybe they're just bored share these things with them because you may not have to be the person that does the podcast or write the articles but you can certainly be a conduit of information jim roddy is a champion he's going to be he's got two books that are out make sure and go get those invest in yourself. What you find is when you get something for free, the, the odds are low that somebody's going to actually read it and do the program. When you pay a little money, you put the onus on yourself to follow through. And it's always 
personal growth is going to come from the intervention of another person. It could be a coach, it could be a boss, it could be a mentor, or it could be somebody you read about. And I highly recommend Jim Roddy. Jim, thank you for joining the Sales Edge podcast. Hey, Gene, thanks very much. Great talking with you. The pleasure's mine. I'm pumped up as well.